So I, all I did was eat, breathe, sleep fencing. That's all I saw. I didn't really get to see my friends because I didn't really have time for that. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's the final episode of season three this week and what a season it has been. This week, I'm delighted to be welcoming Monica Aksumet, a US fencing Olympic medalist. There's certainly no holding back when it comes to Monica. She started off fencing at just the age of nine, overcame a back fracture, had to crowdfund plane tickets in order to get to events and almost missed out on the Olympic team the year she won her medal. This is a great, great episode if you're looking to build confidence, control the controllable and seize opportunities in your life. Now, last week we heard from Kate Wolf, an up-and-coming triathlete. And as you'll know, if you've been listening to the Armago podcast for a while now, at the end of each episode, we hold a two truths, one lie with our guests. And for Kate, the correct lie was she has been skydiving in Dubai. In fact, she hasn't something yet to be done. Now, do give Kate a listen. Now, let's get going with our final episode of the season. Monica Aksumit. Relax, sit back and enjoy. for coming on to the Armago podcast. Um, really, really excited to hear from you. Um, I want to start off by looking at the way that you've been able to approach things uh, and how you've got to where you are now. You've certainly had a lot of challenges to overcome, not least within the last year, uh, but building up for the Rio Olympics, uh, trying to get the funds together. I know you've had injuries as well. So what is it about you that's got this real drive and determination and resilience to get, get through these sort of things? I've kind of tried to answer these questions myself sometimes. The answer I've come up with is I'm like stupid stubborn. I'll decide on something and I I just go into it full force. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Like it kind of has to seem slightly feasible and then I just go after it. And I mean, I don't know. Yes, I definitely had a lot of struggles along the way, but I mean, who doesn't have struggles? And I just always thought a bit of I could give up, but am I going to regret this down the line at some point? So I might as well see it through and see what happens. I mean, heading into Rio, I was actually ranked 11th in the in the country and only they send top four. And I, like the last two competitions, got my, my together basically, and I was able to perform. It's actually pretty similar right now. Like I'm not in the top four for Tokyo, but we still have two World Cups left, all very tight. So if we do happen to have qualifiers, I'm gonna have to kind of have the same mentality and mindset. You say that you're super stubborn. Has that always been the case? Has that been the case, you know, since you started getting into this at about the age of nine? Or is that something that's developed over time? I think I've always been stubborn. Uh, if, if you ask my mom, she hates it. But I mean, it's I'm not stubborn about everything. But it's like I said, like I'm I kind of get determined. Like there's people along the way that were saying that like, oh, the, the Olympics aren't possible. You're wasting your time. And I was like, OK, cool. Like keep telling me because I'm going to go there. And that's Literally people kept telling me that like, it's not possible. It's not going to happen. I was like, but it's happening. Like there was no doubt in my mind. Okay. There were moments here and there, but majority of the time there was no doubt in my mind that I was doing it. So how much do you think you're going for this to, to prove other people that you can do it? Or how much are you just wanting to prove to yourself that you can go all the way with this? Um, a little bit of both. I think a lot of it, the last few competitions, it was more, for me, I remember that was, I did well in Athens. We had four left, four left, Athens, Belgium, Korea, no, three left. Um, so I did well in Athens. And then for our Belgium competition that I had, 
this is kind of when everything shifted. I told myself like, you, you need to stop trying to prove things to other people. I mean, who cares what these people think? These are complete strangers. It's about you feeling proud of yourself. Like, you know, you could, you might not qualify, you might not do well, but it's about how I feel walking out of the room. Like I'm sick and tired of, of losing and being upset with myself and beating myself up for second guessing myself. And that was kind of, I was like, okay, well today we're going to go into everything. You're not going to second guess yourself. Um, you're going to move, you're going to be confident and whatever happens, happens. And I think that whole shift made me a lot more confident because it was, I didn't care what other people were thinking. It was about like making myself happy. So I, I think that was a huge change. I think a lot of people really would want to get to where you're at now, where you just don't really care about what other people think about you. But um, I know those people that would find it quite difficult trying to get there and they'd say to themselves, you know, I just want to shut up, shut people off. Uh, and they don't want to, you know, they'd like to think that people aren't impacting them on social media and that sort of thing. Was it quite a long process? Have you got any things that you might be able to, you know, advice you might be able to give on trying to, you know, just do it for yourself? I don't know if there's like a specific thing that really made it change, but the way I started looking at it of, you know, people are going to hate you no matter what you do. Um, and it's pe- what people do and say is mostly to do with how they feel about themselves. Um, okay. I, I think I'm pretty secure. Do I have insecurities? Do I have moments where I, I do look at myself and I have doubts and whatever? And like I said, feel insecure, of course. But I would say majority of the time I am secure. I am working on myself every single day. I do want to be better. I look at my actions of how I treat other people. So, I mean, I'm doing the best that I can to, to be better. And I'm never, you're never going to find me on somebody else's live, like saying like, oh, you need a nose job or you sound like a man. I mean, I'm giving you things people have literally told me, you know, like you're too skinny, you're too muscular, you look like a man. And that has, these people have problems with themselves. Like they're the ones insecure because I'm out there. If you look at comments that I'm making and somebody has pointed out to me of, I'm always building people up. I'm always here to support my circle. I'm here to help people grow because that's what life is about. There's no reason for me to be competing. Like me and your podcast, like we're not in the same lane. I can help you, you know, like why would I not want to be like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not going to go on these people's podcasts because it might make them bigger. Like what, what does that matter? We're not in the same lane and same thing with other people. Like I'm not in the same lane as a, a track athlete. Sure. We're Olympians, but different lanes. So you can help and grow with other people, you don't need to be bringing people down. I mean, I guess I kind of steered off from the whole thing, but yeah, I mean, people are going to hate you no matter what you do. I mean, I was in a, I did a Buzzfeed video on YouTube and I think that's kind of where I realized I was going to have internet trolls. I'm going to have to deal with this. And people were just attacking me like all over that entire video in that comment section. I read through it. I got angry at first, but then I was like, I watched it again. I was like, there's nothing that I'm doing wrong or saying wrong in this clip like people have no reason and nobody even knows me and they're coming at me for absolutely no reason and that's kind of just like okay like this is something that's always going to happen it says nothing about me it says everything about these other people so that helps no that's really really good advice and it's as I say it's amazing that you've been able to get to that stage because I know it's it's you know internet trolls and that sort of thing are so common nowadays um so it's you know it's absolutely brilliant that you've been able to push that aside and just put yourself above it almost um but when you were first starting um how did you how did these sort of comments affect you and you know how did you deal with them uh when you weren't at the stage you're at now I mean beforehand I didn't really have a following so before the Rio Olympics like I I mean even after the Rio Olympics I had I think I had like 9,000 followers so I didn't really have that much hate it all kind of just started happening from there and like I said like the biggest one I would have them here and there 
but I think they all literally started after Rio from at least what I recall. Somebody kept commenting of like, oh, you have a bronze medal from team, but you can't win like a national competition. And I respond back like, wow, you must be my number one fan. The fact that you're following all of my results. Like, I really appreciate you. It never made sense to me that like these people, whoever they are, like they have a reason to hate me. I never gave them a reason. Like I, I try to be sure, like, and again, like not everybody's going to like you and that's fine because same thing. Like you're not going to like everybody. You just, you can be kind to them, right? Like you might not like somebody, but you don't have to go out of your way to be rude to them. You can just be like, Hey, whatever. Hi. And go your separate way. But like, you know, like we're just humans. We're all very different. We all have different interests and whatever. So you cannot like somebody that's fine, but you also have to understand people might not like you and you don't have to take it personally. I think some of it comes back to that point that you're saying about your stubbornness earlier. And uh, it's, you said at the start that, you know, your mom has said that you've kind of always, always been stubborn. Um, and, you know, I think it's, you know, it's something that's almost needed nowadays. If you want to put yourself out there, you've got to be stubborn and you've got to kind of just, you know, you've got to accept that these things are going to come your way and you've just got to deal with it. When you were really young and you were first getting into, first getting into fencing, uh, I know that you kind of just tried the sport and you really went for it and you started enjoying it. Um, but what was it in those first few days? What was it like uh, when you first got into fencing? Um, I don't really remember much. I've had a lot of things that have happened since. But from what I do, I knew I know for my mom is that I literally fell in love with like day one. I don't know. I was nine. It's really hard to like understand. I enjoyed hitting the other kids. That was like my selling point. I was like, cool, I can hit these kids and no one's yelling at me. Great. And then I was good at it in the beginning because I was, I guess, taller than most kids. I guess I kind of wasn't afraid to be going after things. So maybe that's what it was. I mean, I've understood more and more along of why I love it. It's just such a loyal sport. Whatever you put into it, you're going to get out of it. Not everyone's meant to be an Olympian. That's just, I don't think not every single human being is meant to be an Olympian. I think it takes a certain level of crazy to get there um, and stubbornness and whatever, a whole bunch of other things. But yeah, it's just a loyal sport. So if you're going to add extra time you're going to see the results i think it's quite common that so many people like start from a young age i've found a lot of athletes have had that their parents have really got them into it because they did that sort of sport or it might be that they had something in their childhood you said that you you know this is a great opportunity to just smack people and you didn't get told off for it which is amazing it was there something inside you that just you know you just wanted to hit people or you know like like where did that kind of come from No, I wouldn't really say that I like, I mean, I only ever almost got into like one fight and that's because of this girl was offending my friends and I was the only other female and it was whatever. So I wouldn't say I'm a, like, I would have never thought that I'm an aggressive person. I know I always fought for my own. Like there's a a funny story for me being a kid where my cousin, he would always fight with me and he would always pick on me. Typical little boy behavior and I would never like I would run crying to my mom and she said listen I'm sick and tired of hearing how he's beating you up and starting these fights so you can hit him back and I was like what and she's like you can hit him back he deserves it he like every single time we're over here he always hits you it's like I'm so confused by this and she's like listen like give him a warning he hits you say okay this is your first warning your second warning if he does it again it's your turn so this is literally one of the, my mom's favorite stories to tell. This is the first time I'm ever telling it publicly. But same thing happened where he hit me. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I'm giving you a warning. I'm going to hit you back. And he did it again. Of course, he's like, oh, yeah, let's see it. Whatever we got to the third time, he hit me again. And then you hear screaming from the room. 
<laughs> my mom runs into the room. I'm sitting on top of him, hitting his head against the floor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I didn't start it. So I wouldn't say I'm aggressive, but I guess I had a lot of aggression built up. I don't know. Oh, wow, that's incredible. So do you think that uh, aggressive, like, I don't want to say aggressive, so you certainly don't come across as by any means aggressive at all. But when you're standing there and you're face to face with someone, it's, you know, I think of boxers, right? That, that's, you know, you've got two people in a ring and they're going face to face. And there's often a, a lot of anger and a lot of kind of, you know, really wanting to hit each other. Is fencing like that at all? Do people kind of have that, you know, passion to really go at someone or is it more kind of a, uh, more of looking for, uh, a bit of, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but um, a bit of more, a bit more steadiness, a bit more calmness, a bit more control. Like where does the balance kind of come in for fencing? I would say for ideally to win, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. For me, I have to have a little bit of both. Like if I'm in the zone, God, I now I'm starting to think I am aggressive. Like I was having a conversation. I think it's for me, it's like the need to win more so than aggression. Cause I, Again, when I'm in my zone, like I am calm. I'm 100% confident. Like I won our national competition a year ago and I had the hardest path humanly possible. Like it just like from the beginning, I was fencing people that I've like been fencing with like for the final instead of like having somebody in the preliminary round where you're guaranteed to win. I had none of that. So from the beginning, it was just kind of like, okay, this is my day. This is how difficult it's going to be. And I, I just have to get my shit together. So I... I mean, I like went out for blood basically. It was like, okay, I have to like, I have to beat these people down as fast as possible. I can't give them any hope, but I got to a point where I was so confident in myself that there was no, like even in the final, there was no doubt in my mind. Like I knew exactly what was happening and like she could score a point. I was like, that's fine. Like I have the next few. So I was definitely very calm. There was no stress in me, but I did. But it was like, I'm, I ha- I'm here to kill you. I have to kill you because, I mean, it's like a sport of like from war, right? So it, it is about ha- wanting to hit the other person. It has to be. There's no other way. That's so interesting. So by that, do you mean that you thought completely changed? So I'm guessing it's one of those things where afterwards you're quite friendly with the other athletes and it's quite relaxed. But is it one of those things where you completely flick into this kind of zone where you're like, I just need to hit this person? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't get along with everybody, obviously. No, like I literally, there's no like friendship for me in that situation. I mean, I'm not going to be, I'm not like rude. I don't think I try not to be rude. Like I'm, you know, I always, obviously I have people looking up to me, kids, whatever. So I always try to be respectful to the most of my ability, but I don't care about the other person on the other side. For me, it's winning and that's my priority. But like, there's been times where like, I see somebody frustrated. I'm like, good, I'm going to kill you. Because I'm again, it's you have to in those in those in these kinds of sports of boxing, whatever, judo, wrestling, fencing, like it's it's a match against the other person. And if you have a moment of weakness, you're gonna lose. So that's like I said, like for me, it's I go after I go after blood, I'm here to beat you, that's it. We get off the strip, yeah, we can be friends. There's there's absolutely no doubt that you must have times where you're seriously, you know, you might be having a bad day, you might have an injury, and you're seriously on the back foot. And you might be getting hit after hit, and I, you know, I've I, I, I've seen kind of people in boxing that are just getting absolutely hammered, and it's really difficult to come back. But at that sort of moment, is there is there that kind of moment in fencing? And if so, what's your kind of approach? How do you try and get out of that? Um, I mean, 
in, in fencing, there's a lot of like different things with mentality and you could just have to always be able to flip it back uh, or you lose. I mean, I've been in situations where absolutely. Yes. I mean, I had my, my back injury in Rio, which you, you just, you can't think about it. And I mean, there's, there's many different ways of looking at it. Like my, my, my sports psych and I talk about it. He's like, you know, like nerves, for example, right? Like nerves always deter people and that what gets what gets in the way. And he's like, right, but you can't think of it of don't be nervous. Of course you're nervous. I mean, you care about this. You you at you put in your time, you put in your money, everything. So it makes sense you're nervous. You care. And he's like, Do you think the other girl on the other side isn't isn't nervous? I mean, there's a chance that her stipend is dependent on whether or not she wins this match. Of like you're all gonna be nervous. And that's something you have to understand. He's like, in injuries, I'm sure every single person out like in this venue feel some kind of pain because you guys are training nonstop. So it makes sense that's that majority of these people are going to be feeling something. So it's kind of about like normalizing a lot of different things instead of being like, Oh my God, I'm injured. What am I going to do? Tough. You're injured. You got to get over it. And you just have to like, think about the other factors. So for me, even at Rio, I actually had a lot of things happening to me. Um, I don't remember if I, I talked about it on my one episode, but um, my rib also popped out and we couldn't pop it back in because I had like just, I guess the stress levels. So I couldn't even fully t- turn my head. I couldn't even put my mask on without pain. But when I was out there fencing, I didn't feel anything. It didn't matter to me. Wow. It's almost like the adrenaline that you get is just completely overpowering. Yeah, I, mean, I was injured, but it didn't matter. Like what mm. was, what was me being injured going to do? I mean, it obviously it happened. That's it. And I just have to deal with it. What, what was it like when you, found out that you were injured uh I get the impression that you're the sort of person that was like me and what doesn't really affect things you know was that was there a kind of low point where you're like am I really going to be able to go and compete in the uh, Olympics for this um I mean I do have like I kind of have like initial breakdowns about things and like panic attacks but then it just like I need a few seconds and then I readjust my thinking because again you have to um you can't make yourself into a victim all the time and feel bad for yourself but when I found out, um, when I found out that it was like a major injury, I was really confused because the way they were explaining it to me wasn't really explaining things. So I just, most majority of I was like, wait, I have a fracture, but like you called it a pars fracture. Is that, what is that? So I remember, and then they also don't even want to explain things to you fully because I mean, a lot of what they're telling you tell the athlete, like that's their psyche is based on this, right? Like if my, if my, my person, my, whatever physical therapist or a doctor was like, yeah, no, your, your back is broken. I would have, I would have been broken, but he's like, oh no, you have a pars fracture. It's fine. A lot of people have it. I was like, he told me I have to take six to eight weeks off. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you should, but like, we can't obviously, cause you have the Olympics. He's like, it's fine. We'll be doing physical therapy. Like we'll be doing acupuncture. You're going to get a back brace, whatever. And the entire time I was kind of like, I'm really confused. Like one person made this seem really bad and you're making it seem like it's okay. Um, and then it was just kind of like, okay, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I don't have this six to eight weeks off. Um, I'm going to go fence at these Olympics. We're going to figure it out. And it was a brutal time. I had to wear a bra- back brace where I literally, my back actually hurts as like we talk about this. Because <laughs> um, it never fully heals what somebody told me a year later, not even at the time. They weren't like, oh, this is forever. You're never getting over this. Because again, they're just like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's just a little thing. But I wore a back brace during practice with, instead of having like sharp shooting pain, I had pain the entire practice, 
which is brutal, but at least I couldn't make the injury worse. So I, I pretty much just cried all through practice and then took my back brace off and didn't cry. That's kind of how every training looked like until Rio. Wow. It's amazing how much you really, really wanted it. Um, I know that the, these sort of sports, um, one of the things that can be quite difficult is funding, right? And I know that you, you put, you know, so many hours into this. It's, it's a full-time job. It's, you know, it's probably like two full-time jobs all the time, the amount of time and effort that you have to put into this. And I know you've had difficulties with funding. How have you been able to manage that over your time uh, becoming an athlete? How do I have managed it? Well, it's still the same situation. So I really haven't managed it, I guess. Um, before Rio, I made it three years where I was coaching and refing and training. So I, all I did was eat, breathe, sleep, fencing. That's all I saw. I didn't really get to see my friends because I didn't really have time for that. Um, I became actually severely depressed, which I didn't understand at the time. Um, my mom kind of was the one that made me realize what was going on, but I bled myself dry because it was just, I mean, I was making whatever I was making. I was putting into fencing. There was no like savings, whatever. So the year before Rio, I was kind of like, okay, well, either I fundraise this money and I have a shot at these last few competitions, or I just don't like there's, there's literally nothing else I can do. I'm not making enough to, to keep going. So luckily I, I raised the funds that I needed to, to raise, which was amazing. And then I kind of, when I was deciding on to stay for Tokyo, and I was like, okay, well, I have metal now. It should be different. Jokes on me. Nothing was different. Um, I talked to an agent who basically told me, he's like, there was 121 medalists. Why should I sign you? And I remember that call to this day where I got off and I like stopped, sobbed out loud hysterically. And I was like, I'm still in the same position that I was in. Meanwhile, like now I'm an Olympian. I have a medal, but I still mean nothing because I'm still in fencing a sport that it's just not popular at the moment. So it doesn't really even matter. I'm literally in the same exact position. Nothing has changed, which was just crazy to me. But it's funny now he actually, he's not my agent, but he's my friend and he st- will submit me for jobs, even though he said no to me. I don't really understand it, but I guess he feels bad <laughs> after that phone call. Um, I've, I've been lucky where I content create. So Instagram has been helping me get some money. I do have a sports agent, but I, I signed with her last year and obviously- the Olympics were delayed. So there's companies really aren't investing in athletes at the moment while, while they're trying to figure things out. Um, but I had to fundraise going back into Tokyo because I, I had two, no, $150 in my bank account or maybe even less, um, September of last year. And I was walking in this like fashion show for athletes and the hotel had to take like a security deposit and it was all my money. Like I had, I had $1 left in my bank account. And I remember, <laughs> I remember um, calling my friend. I was like, hi, can you Venmo me some money for like the next few days until I get back the security deposit? Cause I can't even go buy myself food. So that's when I was like, okay, well, I mean, we're back to square one. Let's see what happens. Let's see if I can fundraise this money. And that whole story actually blew up, which was amazing. I raised more than enough money, which was cool until we went into, you know, everything got delayed and I'm, I'm back to not having money because I spent almost all of that because we had almost a full season. So, wow, no, it's, it's really, it's really amazing that, and inspiring as well that you've just, you you know, you've just gone for it and you've just seen it as a, as another hurdle to get over. 
Um, so, you know, all, all credit to you on that. Um, now, I want to touch on your time at university and how you've been able to balance um, going into fencing and trying to do a degree in, I've got it written down here, kinesiology, is that how you spell it? Kinesiology, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, how are you, how are you able to balance those two? Because um, a lot of our listeners are at university and a lot of them are really keen sports people uh, or they're looking to try and play some more sports. So how are you able to balance that whilst at university? So I originally, my degree was actually in biology, but in America, since you get scholarships, your school gets to decide pretty much on a lot of things. So my sophomore year and my first semester was going to be biology, calculus, physics, and math, I think. No, wait, chemistry, biology, physics, and yeah, and some kind of math. So that's when my school was like, no, absolutely not. I'm sorry. Like, we're going to have to change your, your major because there's no way we can expect you to be getting the required GPA that you need. So with, with the classes that I had taken, they're like, okay, the next best thing is kinesiology, which is the study of movement for what people don't know, like for physical therapy, for phys- physical education teacher to, to manage it. I mean, it wasn't easy. I mean, you have to, I don't know, for me, it was the same as like in high school of school's your priority when you're not training, you're, you're doing school and you just have to manage your time. That's pretty much it. I somehow did it. I don't know. In my senior semester of school, I actually took 25 or 26 credits. Ridiculous. And I was also working a job as a waitress and I was training. Um, I don't think I slept when I think back on this. I had two classes at the same time. But it's again, I guess, I don't know. It's my my stubbornness where I'm like, okay, well, I have to figure it out and make things happen. And you do. Um, I want to come back to what you said before that, you know, your mom identified that you're going through this kind of phase of depression. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that as well, but you know, it looks like you've really been able to take control and master that, but you know, what, why do you think that came about and what were some of the key things that you're able to do uh, in dealing with it? I think it happened because like I said, I was eating, eating, breathing, sleeping, fencing, because like I said, I was coaching, I was refing, and it was like Mondays I had practice and like the gym, obviously, Tuesdays um I was either training or I think I was coaching Wednesday's training Thursday coaching Friday training Saturday morning coaching straight to practice and Sundays I would referee so it was just non-stop and like I said I wasn't I wasn't seeing my friends I had all this pressure of I had to perform at a competition or have I had to perform well at this competition because I was working so hard to make this money and it was be a waste of time if I'm not doing well so I was putting so much pressure on myself and I never had any time to escape from it um and I hated talking about fencing my mom and I would get into a fight anytime she brought up fencing and I was like I need you to leave me alone like we cannot talk about this I still hear it to this day where my mom's like I know you don't want to talk about fencing but so yeah it was just like not like never being able to get away from it all and that's all I ever saw and I I mean I would just cry nonstop. Like my mom would like, I remember like the day she, she was the one, she was like asking me, she's like, what is wrong with you? Like she walked in and said something and I just started crying hysterically. And she looked at me, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, I cry all the time. She's like, maybe you're depressed. Um, And that's kind of got my gears going. I was like, that literally might be it. So that, I mean, that was my moment where I figured it out. But from that, I just kind of learned that I, I can't like it. I was going to like kill myself basically with, with what I was doing. So I, I kind of, I don't know. I started thinking like, okay, um, yes, I never want to regret not making a team because I, I didn't go to practice or whatever, but 
I need to find time to like have a social life and to like see people and, and just be able to get away from it because that's all I was thinking about. Like I said, it was fencing nonstop in what, in every single capacity. I was either in a fencing gym myself at a fencing gym, teaching other kids or at a fencing place refing. So like there was, like I said, you just have to be able to, to balance everything. And how do you manage to balance all that now? Because I, I can imagine that you still really want to put all this into it because you love it so much. Um, but how do you manage to make time to do these other sort of things as well? Um, it's a little bit easier because like I said, I've been able to have the whole, the whole content creation thing. So I, I've had some kind of money coming into my pocket a little bit. So, um, but I'll take time of like, if I have a available Sunday, I'll make time to see my friends. Or if there's like a Saturday after practice, I'll go, Hey, let's, let's go to brunch or, even like going with my dogs to go hiking or, or to the park, just taking time to, to get away from, you know, what it is that you're going after because there's just a certain level of insanity you're going to go into. If that's all you're thinking about nonstop. And would you say that you would, you think, you know, what you went through with that uh, and the time and effort you put into this, do you think it's absolutely worth it? Sometimes I wonder because people my age are, they're, they're homeowners. They have the car that they want. They're going on vacation what, whenever they want. Um, meanwhile, I'm in a completely different place in my life. But just talking through a whole, for, to a whole bunch of people, they're like, I mean, these same people look at what I'm doing. They're like, you get to travel the world and do what you want to be doing. Like, I have to go to work every single day. Yeah, I get to go on vacation. He's like, but you can literally go on vacation at any point because you don't have like a full-time job. He's like, you have off season, you can go travel to these other places. I can't, I literally have to work in order to, to have this house in order to have this car. So looking at it that way and having those conversations have really helped. Is it, do I still have days where I'm like, why am I doing this? Absolutely. Because again, I mean, I, I would like to have stability in my life as well, but there's only a certain period that I can do what I'm doing. So I try to just look at it that way. Yeah, really, really good advice. And do you think um, that after this, you'll go, you'll carry on doing sports like linked to the fencing, or do you do you see yourself going and trying to get this uh, more stable kind of job afterwards? I, I try not to think of it, try to think that far forward because I get a little bit of anxiety when I think about what's next. <laughs> sure. It's difficult. I've taken a more approach of we'll see what happens next. I mean, you know, if I make an Olympic team and I medal again, that opens a whole bunch of doors. So it's. I don't want to put my mind on like, oh, I'm going to go get a corporate job to be stable because I don't really know where I'm going to be. I'm doing things here and there to, I mean, ideally I would like to not work a nine to five. I haven't done it for this long if I can figure that out. So that question kind of gives me some anxiety because it's hard to plan ahead. Uh, It also depends on where I'm going to be. Like if I make another team or if I make this Olympic team and I medal again, that opens a whole bunch of doors. So I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely trying to avoid a nine to five. I have, I haven't done that for so long, but so if I can keep not doing that, that would be great. So I'm doing a whole bunch of different things of, I teach zoom workout classes. I've, I've have some money that I saved up and I invested in a few houses with my friends where we flip the houses and then we, we rent them out and then obviously sell them. Um, what else do I do? I invested some money as well. And then my podcast. So I'm trying, I'm trying to figure life out and see where it goes instead of really just like stressing about where, what direction it's going in. Mm. If that makes sense, taking it day by day. I think it's really interesting what you're saying as well about uh, how you are like 
looking at other people who've got the stability and they're looking at you going, wow, you know, she's got all that. She's got this flexibility and all that sort of thing. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, but looking at it kind of from a successful point of view, when you were nine, you were just starting out. And when you first started thinking about the Olympics, would, would you consider yourself where you are now as successful? Um, if I'm looking from that standpoint, for sure. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. But I think with most successful people, we don't stop to like be like, oh, I'm so proud of myself from where I am. But it's seeing the next step of great. I got this medal. Cool. I checked it off my list. What's next? I need to I need to accomplish the next big thing. So I think and that's something somebody somewhere explained that to me and reminded me of that, of like sometimes you need to stop and appreciate where you, where you are to keep yourself motivated and you can't just nonstop look at the grind of what's what's happening next. So I've, I've tried to, I'm never really that successful at it because like I said, I just keep thinking of what's next and I don't want to, I never mm. want to settle for anything, but there's times where I go like, I don't know, my entire life just seems not real to be honest. Like, like my podcasting where everyone asks me of like, what's my podcast about? And it's like my life experiences and people are like, look, okay, cool. You went to the Olympics. Like what other experiences do you have? I'm like, I, people invite me to red carpet events and I talk to celebrities and I, I don't get it. I don't get why I'm here. So it's, it's kind of also funny that I look at life that way. Like, I don't believe that I am where I am. So that's such a funny way of thinking about it. Um, and also I know that you've now kind of gone into your modeling route as well. And has that been a big part of kind of like uh, being able to get the kind of support that you've needed as well at the moment? So actually my first agency was useless and they booked me for one job with a magazine of women's health, which was cool. But I never saw any money from that because you also have to pay fees for make, making your comp card. So I think that job was like $150, $250. I never saw that money. So I spent three years at this agency not making a penny. Cool. Um, but I did sign to my current agency last year and they have been amazing. Um, so they did bring some money. I mean, unfortunately, obviously, like the pandemic happened. So it wasn't as great as it really could have been as I foresaw it being. But I mean, it's, I don't know. It also opens a whole bunch of doors. Like I've gone to different events. Thanks to them. I mean, I get like products sent to me, which is also cool. So hopefully when this whole pandemic thing ends, um, we can go back to making some money again. For sure. For sure. For all of us. Um, <laughs> right. I've got a few final wrap up questions here um, before we, we go into the um, two truths, one lie. So, um, and I asked this to quite a few athletes and I think it's really interesting hearing the different answers that they give. Um, but in the sporting world, uh, being an athlete, what do you want to be remembered for? I mean, I always want to be like, I want to make the world better and inspire people, whatever. But uh, I guess my whole positivity thing, which a lot of people message me on Instagram saying that like, they really love my following me on social media because I'm always so positive with things, which I never, I used to not be that way. I used to be very negative, but I, I've, that was something that I really wanted to change. And a lot of po people pointed it out to me and that's kind of actually how my mom always is. She see, sees things as super negative and she like whines and complains. So I, I knew if I kept that going, I would all, I would limit myself. So I changed. I mean, it was active. Like there's still times where I catch myself. I'm like, Oh, Nope, skirt, hold on, wait, let me go back. Let me find the positivity here. So yeah. So that's something I, I, I like that that's happening and that's how I want to be remembered as being somebody that can always find the positives and the negatives. Yeah, I certainly heard a lot of the positives as well, which is absolutely brilliant to hear, uh, but also to hear kind of where, you, where you've come from in it um, too. Um, now, for someone that 
wants to get into fencing is as we said spoke before it's not your kind of common sport um but how would how would you recommend someone that wants to give it a crack um to go and to go and get into it particularly i guess um, i mean it's different in every country so that's um that's it's different in different countries like it's it's government related or government funded in different countries um or you have it in school systems but in the united states you Again, depending on where you are, there's some high schools that have fencing, uh, like in the state of New Jersey and New York, a lot of schools have it. In other places, I mean, you can just look up a fencing club. And while the sport isn't currently as popular as it really should be, um, I think that's where we're working on changing that. I mean, I've, I've been, as as I've been going on in the sport, I've definitely seen it changed. I've definitely seen it become more and more popular. And that's kind of my mission where I don't know, like, I feel like I'm bringing a lot of big people, I'm making a lot of big people aware of it, like having Paul George on my podcast, and he was like, oh, I'm rooting for fencing. I think that's a huge thing. And that's not something that our sport has seen it in the... Brilliant. Well, yeah, I'd really love to see some more people uh, getting into it as well. Um, So as we do at the end of all these podcasts, uh, we wrap things off with two truths, one lie. And I know that you've got your two truths sorted, but it's going to be a question of have you got your lie sorted? So when you're ready, if you want to say your three statements and uh, I'll have a guess. Okay. So I'm fluent in Polish, Spanish, and English. I, uh, Matthew McConaughey approached me and introduced himself to me. My, the sports that I have done are basketball, fencing, and gymnastics. There we go. Two truths, one lie from Monica. We will be revealing the lie at the beginning of the next season. Now, as mentioned previously, the Armago app is going to be launching, well, tomorrow. All things going well. The app provides you with an easy way to find others to play sport with based on your location, ability and availability. We're a student team and have been working on this for the last 20 months. So stay tuned and if you want to have a look at what's to come, then head over to our Instagram page or to our website at www.armago.io. Thank you so much for listening, particularly if you've been with us throughout the season or indeed throughout the whole podcast series. I really appreciate your support and I hope to see you again for the next season. It's going to be a good one.